0: Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Boblitz and welcome to one of the weirdest Sundays on the calendar for a church year. It can be either Palm Sunday in your context or Sunday of the Passion for the week of April 5th, 2020. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast and I'm excited that we are still being able to do this in this weird time that we are in within the whole world as we continue to go through the COVID-19 things. And I know you're probably all tired of it, and I know I'll probably end up referencing it slightly this week, but I'll try having a take that's a little bit different this week than regurgitating things with COVID-19 as we all are probably a little bit overly bombarded with it. But just know that this is part of our process of digesting and figuring out and trying to comprehend as we're all going through this that there has to be some type of normalcy and i've been really pleased and excited to see how the church has really in a ways led in this being able and willing to try something new, try something different, being willing and able to step out of the box while still trying to have some type of normalcy with having some type of service, with having some type of thing for people to be able to come to. And it's just been such a nice thing to be able to see. I actually had a really interesting post this last week discussing how we are lifting up first responders and doctors and nurses and scientists, and rightfully so. But I think there's also a point within the faith community and how different faith communities have continued to evolve and change and had to during the biggest church holiday of the year, potentially totally switch how they're doing things, should also be commended. And so if you haven't reached out to your pastor, to your leader of your faith community, I would just reach out to them and applaud them, because there's a lot of amazing and cool things that they are doing in this time to help us get through this. But before we get into this week's podcast, we have to look back at last week's Twitter question, which was, In Lent, how have you been unbound and what optimistic things did you find? And I think the obvious one is COVID-19 has unbound our whole society. And I think what's Been interesting in that is that it has allowed for new things to go on. One of the things that I've been seeing more and more of is just people being creative, either that they're picking up an old instrument that they haven't been played in a while, otherwise creating something new and creating new and exciting things that people are enjoying seeing. I think it's also optimistic that we are seeing the negative sides of this, that we are seeing more of the homeless population, but also in that same breath, the number of people then who are trying to think about these people, I think is an optimistic side of this. I think one of the weird things that COVID-19 is doing for our society is bringing us together. And I've really enjoyed that. And I'm really excited to see where that takes us as we continue on. And as a disclaimer here, this will kind of be hopefully one of the last things that I reference with COVID-19. I think when you're thinking about this Sunday and next Sunday, I think this potentially sets up for an amazing sermon next week of the most realistic Easter that we've ever had. I've heard it talked about in some of the different pastoral groups that I've been a part of, of having the disciples being locked in the upper rooms and that it's Mary and Martha who find Jesus next week. And so it's something that I think is really interesting to play around with. And I think as you'll find within these texts, I think there's a little bit of that underlying as we are entering the end here of Lent of the unknown. And I think that's a part of the story in the passion story, but also in the Easter story that we don't typically get. And I think this year has the potential of really opening up that door a lot more because we are in the middle of this pandemic and we don't really know what it's going to look like on the other side. All we know is that it's going to be different. And I think it really sets up a really good Easter sermon. So if you haven't thought that way, I think even as you're reading these texts and thinking about these texts, I think that is an interesting approach to look at. But let's just dive right into this The Palm Sunday Gospel text is out of Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. And so this is Matthew's account of Jesus entering Jerusalem where he comes in on a donkey and he has the branches laid down before him and the cloaks on the path. And the expectations that people had that he is going to be this militaristic leader, this triumphant parade type of thing being entered into the city and in a way is cheered with a small crowd, but it isn't exactly this pomp and circumstance type of festival of Jesus entering Jerusalem that many people expected. and In fact, a lot of people are questioning who he even is as he is coming in. The Passion Sunday Gospel is out of Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 54. And this is more of the traditional Good Friday text that we've probably all heard, where Pilate has Jesus and puts him on trial, and they're calling to release Barabbas instead of Jesus. And that he then gets spat on and they have the king, hail king of the Jews. And they're splitting of the garments and him going to be crucified. And being crucified next to bandits and saying in verse 46 toward the end, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that he dies and we have this movement, this power, this earthquake of God showing that there is something going on. The first reading is from Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9a. And this to me is an interesting text coming out of Isaiah. Him going through and saying that he has been given these gifts by God and that using them by listening to what God is telling us to do and not disgracing the gift that we have been given. And when we listen to God, what can stand in the way? Because it's God's will will prevail. The psalm this week is Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. Again, this is a part of seeing things falling apart around us, but understanding that God will stand there and deliver us through this and that understanding that the faith in God will transform and move us to being the person and being in the place that God wants us to be, and that the steadfast love of God will be there as long as we are open and willing to receive it. The second reading is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, and Paul here is helping us remember what the mindset of Christ is, is that it's not to raise oneself up, but it's that he is doing something out of love for us. And that's not something to be pounding our chest about, but more is this is what I came here to do and to show love through it. And all these texts, to me, tie back to the passion story, but it also ties into the entrance story that we get from Palm Sunday's side of things. And so there's some things we can definitely talk about, but before we get into how this ties into faith and science, we have to do our shameless plug for... Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, for me not being an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to get commentaries and to be able to listen to their Sermon Brainways podcast. Having four seminary professors help me learn in different ways to be able to approach these texts. So if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. My second shameless plug is for CBS's show, God Friended Me. If you have not checked that out, I'd highly recommend it. It really shows an interesting modern way of how God can work through people and how a lot of times our stories are intertwined and how much we really do depend on each other. And I think in a time like this, in a time when we're all separated, it's really good to be reminded of that. So, If you have not checked out god friended me i'd highly recommend it jesus coming in on a donkey to a small crowd with palm branches and cloaks on the road that by the end of the week is hung a death that romans can't even have because it is too brutal what a week jesus goes through And like I mentioned before, if you're his disciples, if you're people who are following him from afar, what do you think of all of this? How terrifying this must be, how hard and difficult this is, because you have been shaken to your Core. It's hard for us to fully understand, and maybe this year, with everything that's going on, it gives us the closest representation of what that actually might look like, what that might feel like. But I don't know if that's really the perfect science tie in this week. I think the science tie in this week is talking about expectation. When we Look at both of these gospel stories. The question becomes, who is this Jesus? What do we expect him to be? The Palm Sunday story showing us the expectations of a leader to overthrow the whole government, overthrow the Roman government, take back for Israel what should be theirs, rightfully so, correct? Hadn't that been what had been promised to them? Some military leader to take back over and be in control. We fast forward to the passion story and it's being mocked. If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Why are you putting yourself through this if you are the king of the Jews? All hail king of the Jews. Let him save himself. Let's see him do this now. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross now and I will believe in you. Being mocked. We, as people of faith, are in, in a way still in a similar situation. And if you want to put it into scientific terms, we have made the hypothesis that Christ is alive, that faith is something that is important, and that following God is not something to bat an eye at. We have our support, each of us, from our different stories, from our Different reading of scripture and interpreting it and working with others to continue to understand what this all means and understanding that there is something greater than ourselves. But in all that, there is still the point that we will not fully know until the day of our resurrection. And that doesn't mean that I don't have faith. But just like the great Martin Luther would say, that there's still a spot for doubt because we're human. We have a hypothesis that takes a lifelong journey to see if we are correct. I'm confident in my hypothesis, but there's still always reason for doubt. Welcome to the world of science where we can't speak in absolutes except on extremely small things. The amount of actual law that we have in science is quite minimal. A lot of these are theories that are highly supported because we have to leave in the amount of reasonable doubt. When we make a hypothesis before we run an experiment, it's our expectation. It's what we are expecting to happen. And In scientific papers, you will even have places that will then say what the null hypothesis is, which is usually the complete opposite of what the hypothesis is, showing the antithesis of if this doesn't happen, then we would, the opposite, this is what that would be. Jesus was the null hypothesis to the Jews. He didn't come in as this great military leader. He didn't come in and just take over. In fact, he did the opposite. He died. And as we will find next week, his disciples fled. Wouldn't you? The leader that you have been around, that you have been following, that has been talking and teaching you is now dead. And essentially because people saw him as a lunatic. Causing havoc that you could be guilty by association, wouldn't you be shaken to your core? Wouldn't you question everything? The interesting thing that I find when we compare this just to a basic scientific experiment is that that's how we are taught as scientists to think. You have to question everything. And if you have an assumption, why do you have that assumption? Do you have some type of background something to try to back up that assumption, are we assuming too much on something? We have to observe. We have to take our eyes and and take the data and interpret it. And if we look through these two texts, he enters Jerusalem. He's not that big of a deal. And we look at the passion. He dies just like everybody else. How is this this big deal? We get right at the end, that something else happened. Verse 54, coming from Matthew 27. Now, when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was God's son. They observe something. It was through that observation they came to that conclusion. That after Jesus breathed his last, we had the earthquake, we had the rock split, the tombs were opened, many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After the resurrection of the tombs, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Coming from verse 50 to 53, they had hypotheses that were proven Wrong. You see, the whole understanding to the general public, to the people outside the insider group, was wrong on Jesus. And as being a scientist, it is not uncommon for us to be wrong with an understanding of something. Now, we've talked about in the past that typically tests that we've been proven wrong unfortunately don't get published as often. For various different reasons. But often it's those moments when we are wrong that it opens up the door to asking more questions on how did we interpret this incorrectly before. Think back just a couple weeks ago when we were talking about hand washing and, well, it's truly a manly thing to have dirty hands entering into surgery to help give birth of children. And we found that we were completely wrong because we were entering and adding germs into the situation and germ theory wasn't even around yet. We had to learn that the hypothesis of what we had that this doesn't affect anything did. The idea at this point to the general public, suddenly to at least these group of centurions, that this guy was nothing, suddenly was shook to the core when they saw this. We have to remember that's the type of God that we deal with. That our expectations of what we have can at a moment's notice be shaken to the core. What we expect what we hypothesize isn't necessarily the way that God is going to do it. When Paul is reminding us of the spirit of God, it's reminding us because this is not our presumed nature. Christ did it in such a way that surprised us, even though he had told us it was our hindsight that we then understood how often we look in hindsight now with different experiences in our lives and realize that crap i should have seen this coming but we hypothesize that those were not important facts as we are working through this weird world in which we are in now The difficult thing that we all are running into is it's hard to hypothesize and predict what is happening next. That's what has us afraid and scared and terrified. That's what has us like disciples running and being sheltered in rooms, scared, because now what? this has us questioning on why wouldn't jesus want this big festive parade entering jerusalem this leaves us questioning and the best answer i can give us is embrace this this is part of us being human this is part of our nature and it's part of the beautiful part of science is to question to ask to wonder to ponder. And as we are getting toward the end of this Lenten season that has been absolutely crazy, we ponder, we think, we look, we think, ponder some more, question, what is going on? And we realize from all of this, and we see it in the Psalm and in the text from Isaiah, That we are not in control. The control we have to give up to God. The science of what we are doing is hypothesis to help us understand what is already here from the creation of God. It's the question of us being listeners, like Isaiah talks about, listening enough so that we can understand what God is doing. It's hard. It's not easy. And that's the thing that makes it difficult, but yet so rewarding when we do. So the Twitter question this week is, as we are closing out Lent, where are we listening and who are we listening to? I think there's a lot of crap that is being thrown around and that is trying to pull our attention here, there, and everywhere. And we don't get the actual attention to what maybe we should be listening to. And especially in this last little bit of Lent, cling on to that. Hold on to that. Realize that this is okay. Realize that this is a moment of why faith is here. Because as I look at the Palm Sunday text to the Passion text, I would be scared too. I wouldn't know what was going on, and I'd feel scared and lock myself in a room also. I think this is a time for us to be able to look and take a stand with our faith. Not to be ones of boasting like Paul is warning us about, but ones to be able to step forth and realize that we have been given a gift of this time. Given a gift of slowing down Given the gift of trying to be able to process this And the gift of a creator who is longing to tell us And to help us understand even a small pinch of what is going on Or a small pinch of what he wants us to do We just have to sit and listen i know for my own self i can't speak for you but i know from the 20 years that i've had in the 21st century i struggle with that and so maybe as i am closing out this 2020 crazy lent it's a constant reminder of how much i need to stop and listen because to understand if my hypothesis is correct i have to stop observe and listen so we'll wrap this up as we always do i pray god blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science